Welcome back, Cartel. Uh, this is this is going to be the most emotional episode I've had uh, recorded. And um, so I have a friend who I met on uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War because I'm a huge gamer nerd and I love gaming aside from doing podcasting. Uh, but I met this gentleman named Ken and his he's a chef, but he also has a five-year-old daughter who has a brain tumor and... Uh, it is benign. <clears throat> it's not cancerous, but he had to go through a lot of hardships to do like three fucking surgeries and uh, just a lot of uh, emotional turmoil in his family because of it. Um, but I, I really wanted to get his story out there and I set up a GoFundMe for his daughter, Alexandra. And guys if you can just donate to that it means so much to to Ken and Alexandra and and myself like it's this isn't about me this is about him tonight so I mean like my show's never been about just me it's been about everybody and getting the word out about everything and this is just so on point and uh, I really thank you guys for tuning in and uh, you know all joking aside, uh, kick back, smoke a dupe, drink a beer, do what we gotta do, and uh, get ready for an emotional ride on this one, okay? And I'll catch you on the outro. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Red Pill Cartel Podcast. I am your host, Davey Wavy, and tonight I have the very illustrious Chef Ken in the house. Welcome to the show. Ken, and uh, introduce yourself here, man. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me on, Davey. Um, Like you said, my name's Chef Ken Wells. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Just trying to live the dream, whatever's left of it anyways. Right? I mean, everybody always says when I go into work, like, like, I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? They're like, oh, you know, living the dream, another day in hell. (laughs) Another day in paradise, that's it. Yes, sir. And when they say paradise, you know they mean hell, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like when a man tells you, I'm okay. He's not okay. But that's okay. Keep going. (laughs) Thing, like... Like people, people always like appreciate honesty, right? So if it's whatever I'm feeling, I'm gonna tell them. You know? That's right. That's right. They'll be like, "How are you today?" Because usually I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm good," you know. But sometimes I'm just like, "Eh, I'm here," you know. <laughs> I'll be the first one to say, "Hey, I'm fucked up today. I'm having a bad head day. I need you to leave me alone." They'll be like, "Okay, can't see you." Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I remember um, when I was living up uh, north, uh, a little further up north, like about an hour north, um, uh, I had this mechanic and I met him the, the very first time I met him. I'm like, hey, dude, how's it going? He's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Like, I was oh, like, like, dude, him. yeah, dude, I fucking instantly hit it off with him because I'm like, dude, your honesty is fucking awesome. As a mechanic, right. especially, right? It means a lot to me. You told me your day's feeling like shit. Yeah, for sure. And not just lied to me. Yeah, so, exactly. I get it. I feel it. Give me especially, honesty. Especially take... being a fucking mechanic. Yeah, mechanic exactly. Legit, you know. And turns out he was fucking legit. Like he was like, he wouldn't pussyfoot around. He'd just say, 
dude, I'll, I'll replace your headlight. I'm not going to even charge your labor. Don't worry, you know? So like yeah, right something like that, that something awesome. that he knows is gonna take ten minutes maybe tops. Yeah, you know, throw it in and be done with it to keep the like, business. Exactly. So, <clears throat> dude, just pay for the parts like ten bucks and you're good. I'm like, fuck yeah. it, dude. That's what's up. That's what's up. It's cool, man. So, you have a daughter who's five years old, and her name is Alexandra. And she's going through a little bit of turmoil. Do you care to tell the story about that? Sure, sure. Let me, I wrote. <clears throat> you wrote it down? Uh-oh, I think I lost you there. You with me? Yep, I'm, I'm uh, with you. There we go. Okay, so. Called craniopharyngioma. That's the hard one. Cranial pharyngioma. Yes. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't finish them. Uh, it and it's a rare brain tumor, and it's a rare brain tumor in mostly infants and toddlers. Um, now you can they find it a lot in elderly. But when they find it in uh, young, it's rare still. So they don't know a lot about it. So I tell you, this happened so fast. And, and I can tell, I'll tell you the story. And when I tell you the story, that is going to be legit of pretty much everything I know. Because the story happens. It, it, it's over nine months period. So. Sure. So one day we're sitting in the uh, we're sitting in drive-through of Burger King, and my daughter's in the back seat, and she says, "Daddy, when I look over there, uh, everything gets jiggly." And she said it a couple times, and it took took her saying it a couple times for me to snap something snap in my head, say, "Hey, listen to her." Um, uh, so me and my wife immediately looked at each other and, and we knew we had to get something done, something looked at. Now, at that time, our worst thought was, oh my God, she she's going to have vision issues. Something's wrong with her eyes. Sure, yeah. You know, we could only hope. So, so we, we set up a doctor's appointment with her with her pediatrician and get her in there. And he immediately looks at her eyes and looks at his charts. And he comes back and takes a pictures of picture of her eyes and compares it to the chart that he just did a couple months ago. And he noticed that her pupil, her left pupil was larger than last time. And it was larger than the right pupil. Um, I guess that threw up signs to him to have an MRI done. We immediately haven't had an MRI done and it found a golf ball size. I think they said it was 59 centimeters big, 62. Thank you, son. 62 centimeter big tumor uh, located directly behind her left eye. It was pushing onto her eye, which is why she was having issues. Um, 60 centimeters is pretty fucking big, is it not? 
It is. It is, yeah. sir. Yeah. It is dramatically big. Yeah. And to yeah. see the prints of it, or is it like like the diameter? Say that again. Is that like the diameter of it or the circumference? Because it's is it was it round or yeah, it, it was the shape of a golf ball. Okay. But it yeah. was sixty-two centimeters big. Mm. So um so we immediately prepped her and got her set up for emergency brain surgery they went in um i do believe it took 12 hours 12 and a half hours of surgery this little girl was under um um so they came out after everything was said and done they said well she's recovering um we got as much as we could out, but because it was so deep in her brain stem, they, now they could have went in and got more out, and they could have scraped it all out. They sure could have. But because of what it was attached to and how deep embedded it was, they said that if they would have even touched it that deep, it would have immediately affected her motor skills her brain skills it could have reset her back to zero it could have turned her into a vegetable so they said they got like 99.1 percent of it out there was just remnants and they was hoping that that was it and they would just stay remnants so we go home and she she starts school. Um, now remember she was only in school for a week into kindergarten when this happened and she's still in kindergarten now. Um, right. So, so we go home and we have a checkup three months later after the brain surgery, we go back three months and we do an MRI and they set us down and they say, well, the tumor itself did not come back. However, the size space that the tumor was in grew a fluid-filled cyst. And this is how the tumors come back. They, fit, they make this cyst, they fill with fluid, and then that goes unnoticed. So that fluid hardens and turns into the tumor yet again. It solidifies again, yeah. Right. So basically, it's growing back. Um, so we go in and do another emergency brain surgery. This is all within a four month period. Okay. So we go in and do an, another emergency tumor removal. <clears throat> so we, she comes out, this one was like 13 and a half hours. They come Again, out. Yes. Longer than the first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they come out and I say, again, we got the fluid out, but we can't touch the tail of that, that tumor without really messing her up. Where the remnants were the first in the first place. Right. 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 The part that's everlasting, you right. know, the eternal flame, they can't touch it. So they set us down and they tell us, okay, so we have multiple options at this point. They say we can put a hole in the middle of her skull, put a pipe down through her brain into the flute, the cyst, 
And that way, as it fills with fluid, that fluid goes up the pipe and into a reservoir that will be on top of her skull for the rest of her life. Or we can do chemotherapy. Or we can do proton radiation therapy, which is aggressive. Now, we don't want chemo because they say they haven't had no luck with it in the past with this tumor. We really don't want to put a permanent hole like my daughter's skull is the globe and they got a ice fishing hole on top of her head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. because I, I don't want that. You know, you can't have a tank that's connected to a pipe going into my daughter's brain and go, oh, she can live a normal life. No, she can't because even if the doctors are saying it's okay, I don't care if you're a kid, if you're an adult, if you're a dog, if you're a cop, if you touch my daughter's head, I will break your fucking neck. Of course. You know, and, and then if, you, if she's at school and a kid throws a ball and it hits her in the head, I know it's an accident, but I don't care. That's my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So she can't live a normal life. So they, they, they suggested we go proton radiation. So this is all happening overnight. And they're telling us all this information. And this whole time they're telling us information. We're not getting no questions answered. Not one question can be answered. Not one. They don't know nothing. You they can't be- tell you must be flipping the fuck out at this point. Dude, they can't tell us where it came from, why it's there, how tell, it got there. Tell me your emotional state, too. Uh, at the oh, time. dude, I'm crumbled. Okay, so when it, when it first happened, it was just, it was, it felt like somebody was ripping the insides out of me. You know, what can you do? You, you're being told your daughter has a rare brain tumor that they don't know anything about. And she's five and she's looking up and she don't understand why we're just crying and we're just melted, you know, and, and it's, it's life sucking to have to know this information and just go, okay, well, Hey, guess what? Let's go. I got to go to work. Yeah. So we go through the first, the first surgery and that was just, that was an experience. Um, the whole time we're sitting in the lobby and they have this monitor and it, it flashes all these children's names that are in surgery and what's going on. And there's so many kids in surgery. So you just have to wait for it to come back. So I'm just watching this all day and they're like, hey, go get coffee. Let's go get something to eat. Watch TV. Take a nap. Something. Stop watching it. Distractions, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and every time it changed, I was, I was, I was on it. If there was a fucking star that popped up beside her name, I was up. What the hell does star mean? I need to know right now what's going on. Something changed, you know. If it said she was out, like at first it said, "Okay, she's out of surgery," and I was like, "Oh, that was quick," and and then. Before we could get a doctor, she said, okay, well, if it says you're out of surgery, then the doctor will be out shortly and they'll talk with you. Okay, so we're sitting there waiting. And then it says she went back into surgery. And 
I lost it, dude. I lost security was brought in. So um, wait, she 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 was getting operated on, and then she it stopped, and then she had to get operated on again. Well, that's what we thought because that's what the screen said. Now, what was going on is there was a girl being trained on the screen. That was her first day and she was being trained. So she was, she hit buttons that she shouldn't have, which said certain things. Now, normally a person would, uh, a parent, they wouldn't catch it that quick because it was, it was in and out. It was within two minutes, you know, so it would have just went on and you wouldn't have seen it change. But, but I was on it and I brought it up and I'm like, Hey, no, my daughter's going back into surgery. I need doctor here to tell me what's going on right now. If you don't get him here, I'm going through them doors. Security's brought in. I'm calmed down everything. And they, they explain, Hey, you know, she's new. I'm sorry. We apologize. It's fucked up. But so day goes by, she comes out of surgery and then the first sight of her, is just it, you think you're at a low point until you see that first sight, and you look at your your five year old little girl sitting with tubes coming out of her nose, out of her mouth, IVs in her. Her head is wrapped with bandages. Her eyes are already swollen, looking like she was just in a horrendous accident. And you have no control and you don't even know if it worked. It's, it's life altering. It affects every part of your life. It, it affects your marriage. It affects your ability at work, at home to be a father. Now you got to remember, I have multiple other children. So, right, right, right. So we come up on, and it's hard. It's hard because you have to be strong for your daughter. I'm the dad. And this is what I think a lot of people don't understand. You walk into that room and you're looking at your daughter. And when she finally does come out of being under and she's got bandages and just, she looks horrible. Like she's on her deathbed. And, and you have to, you can't let her see you cry. You can't let her see you broke. So you're like, hey, baby. So you got to hold it in. And that hurts. That takes everything you got. <clears throat> but then you look at your wife. And as the man, you have to be strong for her. <clears throat> I can't let her see me broke because it's my job to be the rock family, to of be course. strong for her. Of course. So I hold it in even more. And then I leave the hospital because, you know, COVID going on and everything, you can only have one permanent guest, even throughout this. I was only allowed to be there until she came out of surgery. After she got out of surgery and she came through and I got to say hello, I had to leave. My wife stayed at the hospital. So this whole time, my wife's there and I, I'm at home and I can't do nothing. Um, so then I leave the hospital and in that time of sitting in my car and that's when you, you break. So 
when she's not when she's not in your presence. Right when there's no one around, that's when I had the opportunity to breathe. Yeah, and, and I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So then you come home. So <clears throat> then you come home, and 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 then I'm around kids, and my youngest daughter, she's three. She's four now, but was three at the time, and she has no clue what's going on. All she knows is she's used to mommy being around 24-7, and now mommy's gone, and it's only daddy and no sissy. So now she's missing She's missing two major key components to her life that it, she don't understand why they're gone. Um, <clears throat> so I got to do everything I can to keep her mentally sane and She's a handful in her own, but then I got, I got my older son. He's got his own issues, but this just taxed it on even more. And I got to worry about him. I had to confiscate his knife collection because we was afraid it was overbearing for him. The amount of stress on top of everything else he had. So, and he has nice knives. That's what he collects. He's got a nice set. So I had to take all his sharp items. <clears throat> and then I got my other son, who is the 100% sibling to the girls and Alex. And he's tore up himself. Because um, he's a little more understanding of what's going on. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> understands what's on the table. Junior, did you get ran over before or after we found... The tumor. Okay, that's I knew. <clears throat> okay, so now halfway through this, before we before we go to our proton radiation, my son gets ran over by his grandfather, um, and I mean, fell off the back of a trailer, and the truck kept going. He fell in between the trailer and the truck bed, and the truck kept going and ran him completely over. Jesus Christ. I saw the pictures you sent me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, come on. Now I got a daughter with a tumor and I got you seen the pictures. That's what I got at work. And it looks like my son's on a deathbed, right? Right. It's, it's you know, <laughs> how much. And I wasn't sure at first because it, like, he looked so beat up that I thought it yeah. might have been daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, make, like a joke about it or anything, but like, yeah, no, uh, his grandfather ran him over with the truck. Yeah. So, and then, okay. So then we have to start the proton radiation therapy for my daughter because we are now coming up on, on a month and a half since the last brain surgery. And since the second one, and we know that in three months, it grew back to full size. So now we're halfway there. And if we don't get and do something within another month and a half, we're going to have to come back in for another third brain surgery. Right. So I say, you're right. You know, you are definitely limited time. So you have to choose. And they tell us this. They, they go, okay, sit down. You have to choose between going to St. Jude's. Um. 
cancer research facility in Tennessee or Children's Hospital in Cleveland. Now, the only difference is, is St. Jude's is ranked number one. They have the best doctor. And Children's is ranked number three. They're only ranked number three because St. Jude's has the best doctor. They have the same equipment, everything. One is 12 hours away from my house. One is two hours. So sort of pause you here, but like, it's just, it's baffling to me. Like, why don't these other places get better fucking doctors then? No, no, it's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, that's how rare this is. Like, right, right, right. That the doctors that know how to do this, every hospital, most hospitals have the equipment. They really do. It's the doctor that knows about about certain types of tumors and knows how to manipulate a certain machine. Um, I do believe I sent you a picture of my daughter on a table in a big Star Wars looking room. Yeah. That whole room is the machine. The whole room moves. Holy shit. Yeah, it is insane, dude. It is. It makes your nuts suck up into your throat when you walk into <laughs> this room. As a grown man, you're like, what the fuck is about to happen in here? It looks like a bad trip is about to happen at a haunted house. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we have to pick between these two hospitals. And, they're like, and, and the more they tell us the more we go, hey, wait, this is a question. I have a question. I have a question. Answer this question. And they're like, we don't know the answer to that. We don't know. We don't know what to tell you. We don't know. We don't know nothing about it. We know it's rare. We know we can't get it all out. We can open her up 20 times if you want. Uh, we can put the stem in her brain. We don't know. And And you're just sitting here as parents and you have to make this choice. You have to. Right, and you got to be beyond frustrated because you you got to be like, you're a fucking doctor. You should fucking know, right? Not when I tell you, not one question has been answered up till the second surgery. Not one quit. They couldn't answer one, dude. And the more you look online, and they say don't look online. Well, what the fuck online tells me answers that you don't. You don't want me to find these answers because that's when I come in and I call and I go, hey, Dr. Shakuterie or whatever the hell your name is. You know, <laughs> I, I, I went Isn't on. That, that was legit his name. Dr. Shakuni. I called oh, him Dr. Shakuterie. Yeah, you do your job. I'll call your name correctly. Uh, you couldn't get the tumor out. Look here, Shakuterie. Right. Hmm. So, and I'd go, I'd call him and I, I'd have these questions. I'd be like, doctor, I was online and I went to, you know, James Cancer Research Facility website and it says this fucking brain tumor, legit, everything I can find online with legitimate backings says that everyone that has this brain tumor lives no more than 10 years, 10 fucking years. That means I bury my daughter at 15. Now, 
this whole thing is just it's just a one more dagger after another. Now, of course, the doctor's telling you, no, no, that ain't true. That ain't true. And I go, okay, well, tell me about cases that that are are different. Well, I don't know. It's rare. So you don't know, but you're telling me that that's untrue. You don't know the truth, but you're telling me that's a lie. Calm you down, don't know snowflake. fucking shit. Right. Calm down, snowflake, because I'm catching you up in them. And they're like, no, we have patients that, that live past 10. Okay, how many? What treatment have you done to this same kind of tumor that's been successful? Because that's me the guess. treatment I want done on my daughter right now. Right. Let me guess. We don't know. Exactly. Well, every case is different. No, the fuck it ain't. That child's five years old. That child at five years old had, had a brain tumor, the same type, cr- craniopharyngioma. On the same side of their brain, you took it completely out. That child is walking around completely normal. Which child, how many of that, those incidents can you tell me? Well, none. <laughs> okay. But you want me to keep going off of your knowledge. That would be like you coming to me, asking me um, advice about recipes, and I tell you how to change a radiator. It's pointless and is wasting my time, and it's wasting my daughter's time. 100%. But we still, no matter what, we still have to make this choice, and we don't, we don't have the time to go and figure all this out and, and ask questions because no one's going to answer questions. We have to make a choice right there, right the fuck there. And, and as a parent, how do you make that choice? Because if you send her, if you pick Cleveland and send her to Cleveland for the treatment and it don't work. Now, this treatment can only be done one time in a person's life. One time. They cannot do it again if they miss. Is this, the, it, is this the proton thing? This is yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So it takes six weeks, five days a week. You have to get proton direct radiation aggressive therapy. So that's what my daughter did for six weeks. And my wife went with her to Cleveland, and it was my daughter and, and wife in Cleveland away from me. And I had to go to work and I had to come home and I had to make sure the kids were taken care of. And I had to, you know, make sure they were off at school. I had to get up and get my son to to half an hour away to his mom's every morning at six o'clock in the morning. Wake my daughter, my youngest daughter up, get her in the car, take him just so I could get back to in enough time to wake my other son up to get him on the bus. And by the time that was all said and done and I got to sit down, guess what? Here comes the boy. Now here comes the other boy. Guess what? It's time to get ready for work and get your ass outdoor. This whole time I had to make sure they were taking care of food. Now, thank God, I tell you, the school set us up on a program. And this program, I forget what it was called. It was next door lunch, dinner bill or some shit. I don't know. Food train, thank you. It was called Food Train. And they set us up on this. And people would go on there and see that, hey, someone set us up for a family of seven. Help us out and make us dinner tonight. People from all over our area didn't know us, didn't have, didn't know nothing about us. Just seeing that we was a family of seven. 
read the little script they gave, and we needed dinner. They was bringing us dinner every night for six weeks. Every day on my way to work, I would take the leftovers and give it to the homeless guy on the edge of the freeway where I get off just to make room for food in my fridge for the next batch of food that's going to come. I never had to worry about dinner except for my days off. And yeah, we could have had leftovers, but you know me, I'm a chef. It's my day off. I want right. to cook. I'm, I, if I can give top of the line, high end quality food to customers, why can't I do it for my family? Your family, exactly. You know, I want to enjoy a bottle of wine and a nice steak with some sauteed portobello mushrooms or something on it. I want that with some blue cheese, gorgonzola crumbles. Come on now. Right. Now you're making so, my mouth water. Anyway, right. keep going. Yeah. So, thank God. <laughs> I did, that was one thing I didn't have to worry about. Um, and I had a couple couple family members that stepped up and they came over and sat with the young the youngest daughter on the nights I did have to go to work. <clears throat> and it, that was great. That helped. But the whole time at work, <clears throat> I'm away from my kids. And I'm at work. And... And because of how busy and and the 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 bar of excellent that is required of me, if that makes sense, I can't not focus on my work. Because um, if I take my mind off of my work and think about home life, then I'm danger to myself. I'm a danger to my coworkers, my co-chefs. I'm a danger to the customer because I may cut something wrong. I may, I may, you know, cross contaminate. So I, I'm still pushing everything down in me. And at this time, you know, I get maybe 10, 15 minutes to myself a day to be able to get whatever feelings that I have to out of my system. And I can't, you can't, you can't, no, there's no way to. Yeah. It's, it's like, you're just going to explode. Right. 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 So it's like when females bottle up all their emotions, when you don't take out the trash and when you don't take out the trash, you're like, fuck yeah, you didn't take out the trash. Exactly. You, you <laughs> implode. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You push it all down and you just implode. Now throughout this six week stint of my wife and daughter being there. I'm talking to them every day. I'm, we're video chatting. After I get off work, I'm saying goodnight to them and everything. Their their room gets infested with bed bugs. Oh, for fuck's Now, sake. they're staying at the Ronald McDonald house. And they get infested with bed bugs. So my daughter and wife are being eaten alive. Legit. My wife had a good 30, 40 bites on her one night when she came are you, are you sure there were weekend. bed bugs or Ronald oh yeah himself? no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they were so <clears throat> they came home they got to come home for the weekend so they could come home friday after the treatment but they had to leave sunday night because they had to be checked in sunday night um that way they knew they were there monday morning that way they could go to treatment so they got to come home two nights a week, which was great. I got to see my fan. I got to see my daughter and my wife. One of those nights, I always had to work, so it didn't matter. The second night, I was off, and 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 I, I cooked them dinner. And to be able to just sit there and hold your daughter and know what you know or know what you don't know 
you know, I don't know how to explain that to not know what, you know, and, and I just held her and I'd catch myself all the time, putting my, my mouth on the top of her head and just trying to suck air out of her head. And, and I remember thinking to myself and talking to God going, please of her hair and put right, it in. Right. I will, yeah. I will bear, I will, I, I won't go to the doctors. I'll bear all pain, please. And I, I would catch myself doing that for half an hour to an hour at a time. And, you know, you just don't know what else to do. And I, I turn to people and you want to talk to someone, but you can't, you can't. Who do you talk to? Do you talk to like, who do I talk to? I got a gay guy at work. He's a great friend. He really is. But how can he even begin to comprehend the level of anxiety I'm under? You know, you know, I tried to go to a counselor. I went and I did the, the, the initial visit and they said, okay, we recommend you go, you get, um, extensive therapy and extensive counseling. Now, on top of this, I'm already labeled PTSD. <laughs> so, so my mind is, it's insane. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, and they, they just never called me back. And I'm like, okay, whatever you need. Uh, I just need to talk to someone. I need someone. I need something. And they're like, okay, we're going to call you. We're going to set you up. We're, we'll call you tomorrow. Nothing, nothing. I call back nothing. And then I just finally said, fuck it. But then, you know, I can't go down. Who do who do you talk to the people, your neighbors? Okay, yeah, I, there's a couple you can talk to, but they can't. It's hard to grasp these feelings. Even if you try to understand it, it hurts. But no, no matter how empath- yeah, empathetic you, you can be, like, yeah. what can you do, right? Yeah, and people, that's what people go, what can I do? And our answer was, legit the same in every time we heard that we don't fucking know you tell me what can you do because we if we knew we'd it'd be done already well what can we do to help we don't know because at this point we're on auto drive we we know we go to work we know to do our job and come home and to feed these children make sure they're bathed clothed up the next day and do it again that is legit how we were you know, is just you can't think about none because the minute you wander off of, okay, what's next? What is next in the routine? You think about it and it just breaks you. And you go into my wife, I would catch her going into the bathroom. I'd go in the garage. You know, you just, you, you, you have to step off because you can't let no one see you crumble. And you, it's like, it's like when you go to throw up. You can feel it. You can taste it. Your water, your mouth starts filling up with water. Well, you can feel it because your your throat starts burning, and <clears throat> your eyes start sucking back, and you know it's it's gonna be bad. So yeah. we go through all this, and we we get done with the the six weeks of proton therapy, and they do MRIs through this whole thing. Sorry to cut you off or yeah. interject, but um. The proton therapy is that was that to like target that one specific area that they couldn't get at before? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. It's to, okay. 
target the whole thing. So the whole thing, they, but I think yeah. I think protons would specifically go directly to that one spot. I think. That, exactly. I don't know. So this that's is me what, talking out of my ass. It's me. No, thinking, not at all. These are questions I asked too. So okay, what it is is it's like think about a flashlight that you can adjust, and it the the beam gets wider and smaller. Okay. Right. So they start out and they adjust the beam to cover the entire tumor. Uh, the cyst, the fluid-filled cyst, what's left in the tumor and everything. And then they and can they, shrink that ray down into the specific area. Yeah, and as as that proton shrinks, supposedly shrinks this tumor, they shrink the, the proton beam and it supposedly gets stronger and stronger until theoretically they get to the end and it just annihilates it and shoots it off. Right. Is that what happened to my daughter? Not at all. Fuck. Not at all. Did it shrink it? Yes, it shrunk it some. Some. Not. Not enough. Some. Did it shrink the pocket? The pocket of fluid? Like. Yeah. 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 Some of it. But. And they said, you should be happy your daughter came out of this and she's still, there's no side effects. And yeah, there's no side effects because legit, the cure has hurt her more physically, emotionally than the actual tumor has. And and that is, that's a hard thing to, to say and realize, but what did the tumor do? It made it to where when she looked to the left side, her vision got a little squiggly for a second. What has the cure for that squiggle done? It is cut my daughter's skull open twice, cut into her brain twice, put her through six weeks, five days a week of aggressive radiation. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's changed her. And I'm not saying for the bad. I'm not saying for the good. But she's different, and and we see it, and we don't know. And so they're like, okay, well, it shrunk it. Well, that's great. We fucking shrunk it smaller than what it was for from the first surgery, and it came back. So again, again, yes. So it's just aggressive, right? And and so me and the wife was reading what you typed on 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 that and about my daughter and and in a way you was right correct and in a way you was wrong you put and the only thing that we got that threw up a flag for us is you put inoperable and I guess you're right and wrong she has an inoperable tumor. That's what you typed, right? I might have, I might, I should have yeah. probably put um, aggressive. No, no, because you're you're correct, but you're wrong at the same time. Okay, and that's so. It is operable. They could go like like I said at the beginning. They could go in and scrape it all out today, and there'd be no more tumor. Boom, pow, done. No tumor. Right, right. But you have to live with the consequences the of consequences. the choices you make. Of course, and. Do I want my daughter in a wheelchair? Do I want her in 
a state of vegetation? Do I want her? In, I don't. I don't. So we is, need to be it, as slow and steady as possible with this. Right. And is that a guarantee that she would be in a vegetative state if that if you did that or it was it was like one of the it, odds it was or the, the uh, it was just right. one of the risks. And and I mean the risk is something they say that when they hit that point of no return every time they go past that point that risk has happened so there's a certain depth they don't go past and well we've hit that depth twice already um so yeah so you know it's it's a lot and then she came back from the six weeks and she immediately went back to school and she sounds like a really strong little girl man dude she's she's a rock star you know and she don't understand and and i bear the burden of the pain for her because she don't it don't she don't know what's going on she don't know what's on the table right but i i I think that like you know she pulls through this thing she's gonna be way more intelligent and way more empathetic to other people and like just a, a little shining beacon of hope oh, for dude, the world you, you know her. you should see her she says hello to everyone still to this day she runs up and hugs the mailman if he would let her i she's just she's one of those you think about Hallmark movies and shit and they make the little girls that die and they go oh this is how she was and that's what makes it hard because that's how she really is. And, and, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't want to bury a child. No, I can't, no. I can't, I, I don't have a choice if that comes down to it, but I can't take it as a man. And no, no, absolutely not. You want to talk about a bear, uh, a load of stress and, and weight on my shoulders it's just it's never ending and it just keeps piling and piling and yeah it's funny because you your wife said i don't know how this is gonna help his show and i'm just like this obviously isn't about me i wanted you to get your story out and for the people to hear and to help you out you know and so Okay, so when we talk about this, it's we'll say we've easily, oh, we've well passed 300,000 in medical bills. And that's right. and that's not exaggerating. <laughs> and we, all I put all I put down is 5,000 to help you, but if we can get now, now, further than that. Yeah, listen. <laughs> listen, when I say we've passed 300,000, we have we, we have. Now, we have insurance. Now, the insurance does not cover all that, as everyone knows. They still want a piece of your money, even though you pay for that. So, I, I don't know what the percentage is of what we're responsible for. I do believe, I do believe it's a 10, a 10%. So I think we're at thirty thousand though in the hospital right now. Now my, 30, my wife, 
Yeah, and that's that's insane, dude. Because we, I tell me one person now and now in these days that has thirty thousand that can just throw at a at a co-payment and go here, go away. Dude, I don't. I, I'm having issues with my car right now, and I can't pay it. And it's like probably going to be like. 5,000 or something, you know what I well, mean? Well, hey, let's do a show for you. Let's see what we can get you. <laughs> no, fuck that, dude. That's, that's, that's peanuts what? compared to what you need. Oh, dude, I'm talking about cars. Throughout this whole thing, <laughs> I, I bought my – you remember me telling you about this. I bought my – I took my son's money that he's been saving for the last two years to buy his car, and I bought him a Dodge Charger. I thought, hey, I found that sweet-ass right. ride. Yeah, you yeah. did tell me that, yeah. So my son has an easy $4,500 of his own money he's been saving. Now, the day he turned 14, I put him to work at McDonald's. He still works with me to this day, just now at a different restaurant. But he's been saving, so I take his money, and and I get him this car. And <clears> he's <throat> driving it, and we're driving it. And I knew it was in a wreck, but... It, it was driving, and it was a Dodge Charger, and it was a little beat up, but it was a Dodge Charger. Kiss my ass. Right. It's a Dodge Charger. And my son was happy, and then we had, we finally had our family mechanic. He came back into town. I said, hey, dude, I need you to look at this and tell me what all's wrong. And this is about two months after we buy it. And he goes, uh, dude, you don't let your son drive this. Not one more minute. Why? Uh, it, they... Where it was in an accident, the frame was bent in in the front, and they hand-pounded it out, and it had broke. So they took um, aluminum sheeting and wrapped it around the brake and drilled it together to hold it like a fucking Band-Aid. There was no airbags. They, they had deployed, and they just cut the airbags and wrapped them in duct tape and put them back where they were supposed to be. No, no fucking way, dude. Yeah, no, no, the <clears throat> passenger side seat belt didn't work. Uh, no hazard lights. It was just, it was legit a, a drivable casket. Cause if he would have hit one thing, it would have been all over. That whole Holy thing would have just shit. annihilated on him. And how old is this dude, your son? 17. 17, dude. You put a 17 yeah. year old in a Dodge Charger and you think he's going <clears> to <throat> drive slow? You're out your mind. Right? I think I told you when you told me this story before, like, oh, dude, he's going to pick up all the fucking chicks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, dude, I'm sorry. I love you. I fucked up. I'm a chef, not a mechanic. I don't know what I'm looking for. I screwed us. <laughs> so I'm, sell- I'm trying to sell this car. I'm trying to get. As close to how much we got into it, we have at this point in time about fifty five hundred with his forty five and about a thousand. Me and my wife put into it with tires and a tune up and uh, the you know that first initial shop visit. So I get almost nine hundred dollars out of it. That that's, is a kick in the nuts. That's it. That's it. Like it's like eight hundred and sixty some dollars. This is what I got out of the car. Jesus Christ! And we had almost six thousand into it. So my son is just annihilated, and so we we scrape everything we have. Me and the wife, we scrape everything we got left to that we have saved and everything, and we take his 
he because at this time he now has two thousand dollars more in his bank account and so we take his two thousand dollars and that initial four thousand dollars he put into the car we reimburse him for that wiped us right there so now he's got six thousand dollars we go and we found we we had our mechanic help us out and everything and we found him a really nice 05 ford mustang oh fuck dude this thing is immaculate it looks like bumblebee but red I'm just saying it is fucking, and I love it when he goes, he's still got his temp. So if he has to work, I'll try, I'll ride with you while you drive your Mustang to work. But guess who's driving it back home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's dogging the shit out of your car now? <laughs> right. <laughs> I Holy love that car, shit. but it's a good car. It's, it's, it's pre-owned certified, all that. So it's, reliable it's safe and we're great to have them in it but it wiped us and now we're starting to get these fucking bills and that's coming in and christmas and i have two birthdays in december and we're still trying to catch up on the money we had to spend for my wife and daughter being there and us being apart because we all ate out now, yeah, you know, the food was provided, but during the day, you know, it just, it is what it is. We ordered. Now, we had a lot of people help us out with food, so we never worried about food. Even at, even my wife and daughter had food. So we were deeply blessed for that. Um, uh, I'd say. But when you're talking about gas, I mean, come on now. You're talking about driving around in Cleveland, me driving our car everywhere and back. And it's just, it's so much. And and then I still got to buy groceries for the house. And I don't have the wife telling me, honey, get this, you know, honey, get this, honey, get that, honey, do this, honey, do that. So, excuse me. So it's just, (laughs) it's life altering and it's hard to put it into words how well, i think you're, you. i think you're doing a pretty good job because you had me uh <laughs> tearing up a lot <laughs> this whole episode um but uh tell tell me tell the audience a little bit about what you do in the kitchen uh what restaurant you work at just briefly right on, and then right we'll on. go back we'll go back into uh Alexandra after just a little bit and then we'll we'll tie it off. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So I was briefly in the military. When I got out of the military, I went to culinary arts school. I uh, got out of culinary arts school, um, bounced around a little bit, became a general manager for McDonald's. And I did that for I was representing general manager for a couple couple years and then I was just assistant manager for most of the time and I did that for like 11 years then I left there finally and I got the job I have now and I've been there two two and a half years and I am now sous chef at a high-end Italian restaurant um, called Carabas Carabas Italian Grill and I love it and I, I get to puff chest. And when I say puff chest, I mean, this is where my mind gets to 
run free because we have wine dinners and I know you know about it, but I'll tell everyone else we have wine dinners that twice a month you can come and be a part of a special chef planned dinner and it's four courses of food and dessert and it's four courses of wine. So by the end of the night, most of our guests that come to this is either going home with designated drivers or Ubers. We have a lot of cars the next morning from wine dinners left over. Um, But this is where I get to create things and I get to present to you my vision of a culinary adventure. Um, And I get to do this twice a month. Now it's like $70 a person, but it's definitely worth it. And it's a good time. Every other night of the week, I'm, usually on the grill or in the middle conducting. Um, And that controls my saute, my salads, my hors d'oeuvres, my desserts, my grill, my sides, everything. And and that's a hard one. And I really, I I enjoy it, but it's, it weighs on you. I I really prefer my grill (laughs) and I can control everything from how, how fast I put out my meat off the grill. And when I put it out, they push everything else. And we have a real good system. And I have a great, amazing crew at times, at times. <laughs> uh, but we have fun. You, know, you, we have, have, fun. you yeah. have your uh, your little fucking spats in the kitchen, I'm sure. Yeah, and I got a Mexican, Gerardo. He's my buddy. And Everything I want to know in Spanish, he wants to know in English. And me and his level of communication are on the same level. When me and him talk to each other, it's like listening to two three-year-olds talk to each other. Because <laughs> that's about what level we're on. I Maybe on a good day, I can jump up to a four-year-old level, four, maybe a five-year-old level, and I could talk to you at a five-year-old level in Spanish, and vice versa with him in English. But damn it, when we get to cussing at each other, I'm telling you, it's a blast from the past, I tell you. That's <laughs> no, fucking fantastic, dude. But I love it. My son, my son works there. Um, he is one of the wine dinner chefs with me every other night. He's a host and a busboy. Um it's great food. It's great environment. It's, you know, you have, you have Italian music playing. You got bottles of wine popping everywhere. You got pasta floating. You got love in the air. Come on. It's Italian. It's the, it's the food of love, brother. It's Hell yeah, dude. I'm telling you, man, like I fucking love a good restaurant. You know what I mean? Like a nice, <sighs> especially Italian dude. Like, yeah. And I want to see my pictures. I'm pretty talented. I'm telling you, dude, like every time you send me pictures, I'm like, I got a food boner. My I'm like, I'm drooling, you know? Yeah. Um, hey. So anybody who's out in Ohio, uh, Columbus. That's right. Uh, a small area. Carabas. Uh, Carabas, man. Hit it up. Yes. Please. And ask for Chef Ken and I will come out and I will introduce myself. I will find out what your flavor is like on your palate. And if with your permission, I will go and I will create a meal all for you. I do it all the time. I'll have a cust- I'll have customers come up and they'll say, hey, Chef Ken, I'm in the mood for a piece of chicken and something with mushrooms in it. And I'll be like, I got you. And I'll send them out whatever the fuck I create. And every time they come back, this is why we asked for you. And it's it's not I have a talented tongue. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. What, tell me what if I if I requested something umami, what would you send? Umami. Yeah, that's the meat palette. Yeah, that's that's definitely um, not in in my realm, you know, because that's that's a little more exotic Italian, so to say. That's, well, that's uma- umami is more. a umami is a Japanese word for like the like the sixth taste bud. It's the it's like the meat, the meaty fucking the, the meatiest. Like you could like send out a steak with covered in fucking. Uh, mushrooms and then like have like a a side with like a risotto with like mushrooms and shit yeah anything with like mushrooms everything meaty you know Uh, well and you know that's i i call that american america america (laughs) America. (laughs) what you want a steak with mushrooms america i just want fucking meat dude give me some meat Give me some that's, meat and noodles to me, slurp man. down. I'm good to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and my, my, me- I had a I had a uh, an ex uh, relationship, and we were together for nine years. And she was she's a pastry chef, but at the same time, she she really knew how to fucking cook too, right? Yeah. But she fucking introduced me to the uma- umami palette. That's and new. She made, yeah, she. I I I, I got to hook you up with like. The definition, like the true definition of I, it. I, I just wrote it down. I'm gonna. I'll know it as soon as we get. I, I don't even this. know how to. I don't even know how to spell it. But I uh, just wrote it how it sell, sounds. Awesome. Umami. Yeah. Umami. Yeah. U M O M M Y. Umami. Or, or I. Yeah. So I'll just hit the speaker button and say it, and the the phone will type yeah, it in. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. It. If you have an Alexa, she'll know too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she made me like a fucking. I think it was like a. Oh my god, it was like a. Talk to me. Now. I don't even know what it was, dude, that she made. But it was a mushroom risotto alongside mm-hmm. with like a fucking. Uh, mm. You know, come on, like a like a roast with covered in mushrooms and onions, like caramelized onions and all that shit. Oh. But anything that like. Sat- satiates the uh, the meat, meat palate. Meat palate, exactly. See, we're talking about it. I'm dro- legit. I just had to drop a drool fall. Y- yeah, dude, you gotta suck that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. Once my meat gets in your mouth, you'll want to swallow. It's that good. <laughs> and the That's thing what I'm is, talking about. When I got the job, the the owner come out. And he talked to me immediately when I, because I was a manager, you know, I knew what to say for an interview. If I was going to walk in with just that resume in hand, I know what you want to hear. So I told him everything you wanted to hear. And he said, I hope you don't get offended because we, we speak kitchen lingo. And I'm like, listen, I speak that naturally. So you just remember you said that and I catch him all the time going, Kenny, you need to calm down. Like, Hey, you the one told me we got kitchen lingo. That means give me my shit. That means I'm a cuss. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm, I ain't calming down, I'm, man. I'm I got Gordon fucking... Ramsay on your Exactly. Ass. Hell's <laughs> Kitchen in the house, bitch. That's my they, idea. There ain't no common. Job. Yeah. There ain't no common down here, bitch. You fucking get on Fuck top yeah. of that shit. Yeah. Hell yeah! They, That's why the customers want to hear that shit. They want that shit for sure, dude. They want to hear yeah. the background shit, right? 
And I love yeah, that. we get a little vulgar sometimes. We go a little deep. Um, I have my Mexican just randomly yelling out, let's go, Brandon. He don't understand what it means, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it is, you know. We have fun. I love my job. I, I really do. I. That's very I, important, especially in the situation that you're in. It is. Now it's stressful. The people I work for with is stressful. But when I'm in the heart of the push and I'm, I, I got 12, 15, 16 saute pans going, I got seven, eight ribeyes, pork chops, fillets. I got shrimp. I got everything going. I got spinach going in front of me. And it's all just, I can see these plates in my head. What plate needs to have what on it? So how much of this I need? It's like, it's like watching a Ren and Stimpy episode and Ren and Stimpy's on acid and the shit's just floating in there, pulling it out and putting it on there. It's how I feel because I'm in my realm. And why? Because when I cook, I'm so focused. It's, it's like taking and smoking a fat hog leg to the, by yourself and you're just that baked and high and you're just – it's it's illuminating and then when that rush is over and you knew that there was tickets hanging and you pushed all that shit and you look out in the out in the lobby and it's quiet and people are just smiling and shoving food in their mouth and you and you don't have a ticket and you're like yeah bitches who's your fucking daddy (laughs) right (laughs) there's nothing more satisfying than seeing people enjoy your creations right and a lot of the stat, a lot of the front of the house get mad because a lot of the times the customers will walk up to our bar. We have an open kitchen and go, chef, that was the best steak I've had in a long time. Or, you know, that pasta was out of this world or thank you for your creation. I don't know what you did, but I'll be back to have another one, you know, and the, the servers. I'm one of those people. You're either team Kenny or you hate me. <laughs> And it is divided at work. Half the servers love me and I take care of their plates. And when I see it's them, I take and I put that little chef spin on it and I send them out nice and hot and beautiful and they get tipped out. But when I know you're a fucking cunt, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't cuss. When I know you're just like that, um, I, I, I'll, I'll let your food sit there and get cold and I'll overcook it or undercook it and I'll make it and I'll make you bring it back to me three times before I send it out correctly. Why? Because I get paid the same amount whether you get a good tip or not, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why you should never fuck with people who fucking have your food, dude. And never. Or they'll put some and alfalfa sprouts or fucking. That's right. Uh, a little garlic salt from the head on it. I I had this one server, this bitch, she called the police on me, had the police come to my house, try to arrest me in front of my children said I was going to shoot up the place. She got me fired. I was a known racist, everything had the police come to my house. Now I, I cannot make it up because I took too long getting her, her order of, children's panay alfredo so because i took so long and the boss told her to go home because she was causing a scene she went home and called the police had police come to my house it was a big story that's a whole nother show though but now 
she either gets her food. Now, I'm supposed to push an order at 12 minutes. At 12 minutes, I should be putting your order up. She gets her food within three minutes or 30 minutes. If I go past the three-minute mark, I put her ticket all the way at the end. I do not care. I do not care. <laughs> well, that definitely sounds like a fucking cunt to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and me and her have had problems from the day I started because of her name. Her name is Nikki, and that is my ex-wife's name. And oh, anyone shit. with that name, I just... I will. I wouldn't even spit on you if you was on fire. I'll grab some marshmallows and enjoy the show, bitch. I don't know you, I'm but just, your name's Nikki. So, so uh, Nikki is the new Karen. How about that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dude, that's awesome, man. I, I, yeah. I'm so thankful for you sharing these stories. Uh, what is the next step for Alexandra? Well, as of right now, we are, I mean, we, we have follow-ups with like the optologist to check her vision and, and the actual brain surgeon to see where she's at with how she's doing motor wise. But to actually know anything, we have an MRI coming up in January, mid January. And that is when we are going to get any information that's going to affect anything. Cause that is when it's going to tell us whether what they're hoping is that the tumor continued to decrease in size. And what they're hoping for is eventually it decreases so much that it just falls off. So that's what, that's what we have our fingers crossed for. But in all reality, that don't mean shit because they don't know nothing. Yeah. We're hoping that's what happens too. I hope my ex-wife dies. It don't mean it's going to happen. Right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we don't know. So we're just, we're right now. And it's hard to say, but it's, we try not to think about the MRI because the MRI could mean more surgeries. Uh, if the, if the tumor continues to grow or has not, decreased any then they're automatically going to put the pipe into my daughter's head which is going to come up with the tank on top of her skull for the rest of her life mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not down for that but i don't have a choice i would rather have my daughter have us a, a tank and a, a pipe in her head than be dead so or, or a vegetable yes so i don't know so we don't think about it because when we think about it it's hard not to think about the the negative. Everyone says, think about the positive. And yeah, it's great. And she's my beautiful princess and so be it. But, but we're just being real here. Yeah, let's be adults here and step out of the emotional circle and say, okay, what if? Let's prepare ourselves. That way we're one step ahead of this thing. Exactly. Even... If it means the ultimate ending, let's be ahead of this. That way, when we are broke, at least we're one step ahead to catch up on. You know what I mean? If that explains it. So we don't know. So right now, she's on. she just started Christmas vacation. And 
I tell you what, it, it's such, it fills my heart in the morning to come down and, and see her on the couch with her tablet and go, dad, you need to make coffee because I'm hungry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she knows that I'm not doing nothing until I have my coffee. So she needs me to have that coffee because she wants cheesy <laughs> eggs. <laughs> oh, dude. You know, and and to come home or to leave for work and they run to the door and they're they're crying like like they're getting beat by their mom, but they're not. But they're crying and screaming for me as I'm walking out the door just because they forgot to give me a hug or they needed to give me one more hug. And to to have that, it's just it's great. And I'm trying to absorb those little moments because. Absolutely. As much as I'd love to say, well, let's cross our fingers. I I know that this is the real world. And right, sometimes right. the good go first. Um, it's, not, it's not on us to know why. I mean, uh, to, have you ever heard that Iron, Iron Maiden song called uh, Only the Good Die Young? All the evil seems to live forever. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, at this point, when I pray, you know, I pray that it it just, whatever it is, his will be done. If you're going to take my daughter, I love you, Lord, and I don't want to curse you. And I please don't let me be mad at you, but take her. Let's do this. And if you're not and you're going to heal my daughter, please, let's do this. Whatever you're going to do. I want your will to be done. Just let's do it. Let's not prolong it. I'm with because you, there's a bridge that I have to rebuild no matter what path he chooses to take. I have to rebuild a bridge. And until I know what bridge I have to rebuild, I can't begin. And I'm just in a land of a bliss. But Davey, let me tell you, when I started playing the video game with you and getting to know you, never did I know that I would let you down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Dude, I'm all about no rabbit homo. holes, man. <laughs> no, <homo. laughs> no, seriously, no homo. But at the same time, like, this is what my show is all about. Like, this is a very, very special episode and you're a very special person to get on. And I knew that, you know what I mean? Like I knew you had a story to tell and I really wanted you to get it out there. And folks, if you can please just, you know, help a brother out, you know, listen, and I'm not on the show and I'm not begging for money. Because no, you weren't, and I get it. And my family, we're gonna be, we're gonna be taken care of one way or another. The Lord will provide one way or another. Exactly. But, but we are saying that any hand up, we're not looking for handouts. We're looking for hand ups because it's it's hard in this in this day, um, with this time of year, with everything going on. It is annihilating. It is crushing and to, to come into a pandemic being almost at the top of your pay grade, whatever you call it, your class, 
almost ready to jump into the next one. And now we're looking at going even lower and, and it's, it's another part of stress on it and everyone has their moments and it's hard to tell people about my moments and expect someone to go, Hey, we're sorry for that because everyone has their own story and everyone's story is equally as powerful one way or another in their life. Exactly. And for the record folks, cartel, I call my, my listeners, my cartel, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, this is something I decided, you know, we, Ken and I, um, we met on Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, you know, and then he told me a story. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, he told me his story and I was just like heartbroken and I, I felt like I have a platform. I can get the word out. I can do and, something and that, about this. You know what I mean? And, and that's and you, awesome. Yeah, dude. And like, I just... I just want to, and we already got 70, 70 bucks. <laughs> and and I, that's, that's blowing I, me away because I, my I, cousin I, somehow started one and it's been like six months going in. I think it's at like 50. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like I have a platform where I can like get the word out more. You know what I mean? So that's my goal. So every like, one of those $70 and even, even everyone just listening even if you don't give nothing, that's fine. You listened. And I, I really feel that in a small way, it helped me to just get it off and be able to speak about it. Absolutely, dude. And you had me in like almost fucking t- like tears, man, like the whole fucking <laughs> way through, you know, like well, uh, I definitely cried through it. So. I, I heard. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys, <clears throat> everyone listening. I play with Davey almost every night online and how he sounds and how he talks here. I thought he was going to be different. So I went on and I started listening to his podcast and no, that's how he talks every night, even playing the game, even when we're running around shooting each other. (laughs) Now there might be a couple words come out of his mouth that he don't say on this podcast, but sure. hundred (laughs) percent, but his heart is always in his conversation and that's what made him a good friend. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate yes, you. And, uh, I thank you so much for coming on and guys, if you can just donate a little bit out of your heart, it's, I'm not promoting my fucking bullshit Patreon here tonight. It's all about Ken, you know, and it's all about Alexandra. So all about Alexandra, that's how that's I love it. hearing her name. And, and, you know, I have all my children tattooed on me one way or another. Um, and she is the only one that is in neon pink on my back. So Amazing, I hope I never dude. go to prison because I'll have a neon pink tattoo. <laughs> but... Dude, you're going to be bent over and shacked. <laughs> oh, it's a butterfly and everything. They'll love that. <laughs> you got a trans Two packs of ramen noodles for this butthole, bitch. <laughs> And see, that's another thing. I love to bring humor to my show too, right? Yeah. I, I make light of like all the the fearful conspiracy theories out there, right? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, this has been very special to me. Um, um, I've already had other, I've already had other podcasters say they're going to spread the word. So we'll see what I, we can do for you, man. 
that's that's heartwarming. It really is, and I'm, it's hard to say those words, but that's the only way I can express how it feels to hear you tell me these things. To to know that just one person stepped up and said, "Hey, here, let me help you out with a little bit," or just to know that someone listened. That exactly. Means, that right there means the world to me to have someone just listen and that's hard because i'm a man and i always grew up going men don't talk about their feelings we don't talk about that shit we are men we are rock of society but you know what this rock is i'm a bag of concrete on the inside that has not been mixed up or hardened yet because i feel like a bag of sludge walking around daily until i get answers and it is hard to explain and it's it affects me in every way, but to just know that somebody listened to just, I'm a man and someone actually took the time to sit down and say, tell me I'm listening. Well, that I listened to you. I listened to you tonight and I hope a lot of other people will. And, uh, this we're bottle gonna of the, wine we're listened gonna, as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get the soldiers out there and we're going to see what we can do for you, man. And I, I, I love you. appreciate you. And, uh, Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, Davey. And I'll talk to you soon, yes? Yes, sir. And All right. uh, you have a Merry Saturnalia or Christmas. I'll say it. Merry Christmas, you guys. Happy New Year. God is alive. He will return. That's it, brother. So. All right, buddy. I'm going to okay, hit man. this end button and leave this recording right now, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one, man. Be safe, you Red too. Pill Cartel. Hell yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in once again to Red Pill Cartel. Um, I really hope you rode that wave of emotionality there um, with Ken and I and Alexandra and... Um, I just really wanted to get his story out there and Alexandra's story out there and uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes but if you could just go please uh, any little bit will help you know the medical bills in the US are fucking insane and I just can't imagine being in his shoes but he's you know he's he's gonna rise above and I'm sure Alexandra will too and if you can't donate anything <clears throat> then just you know just pray, you know, set your intentions right, set your intentions where they should be with uh, little, Alex little Alexandra and Ken and his family and his whole family. He's got lots of children and, you know, like, help him out the best you can, guys. Um, I love you guys so much and uh, I love Ken and I just hope for the best, you know. Um, yeah, I just... I have no more words and uh, thank you so much for what it is that you're going to do. Thank you. Thank you guys.